The Training Years, Wisdom and Pearl. Welcome, GMAC friends. Oh, we're so glad you're here. Okay, so it's Ken. Tell us who you are, what your name is, uh, where you're from, what stage of training you're in. We'd love to get to know you, and we're so glad that you're Okay, and then tell us what questions do you have. If you can, type those in. What periods are you facing? What What did you guys do when you were in this stage? And if you could, at the end of your question, maybe put your email address. Just in case we're not able to get it in the live chat, then we can do that. Also, my email, if you want to reach out to me for any reason or be connected to any of the presenters, is jesusinvasion at gmail.com. And then we prepared some books for you guys, so juiceinvasion.org, juiceinvasion.com, or if you're on the GMHC website, you can download the Medicine Travel on from there. Now let's talk about which you are. Wow, this is a picture from Mexico City where I've spent a couple summers and I just looked at it often during my training years and I just felt like the donkey opening <laughs> This large weight on my back, pulling it through the mud, just not really knowing when it's going to end, getting whipped from multiple angles. Training is so hard. But God spoke to me and said, David, you're not the donkey. I'm the donkey. You're the cart. Let me pull you. Um, you're just a vessel bringing good news of hope, um, the treasures that can be found from him trash of this world to those who need it. Um, don't give up hope, David. Keep going. Let me pull you. Let me be your strength. And oh, I wish it was like this uh, Gandalf in the Shire. And oh, it will be one day in heaven. But right now the world is cursed. And that's okay. We're going to make it. God's going to pull us through. And it's going to be good. Okay, let's pray. Oh, Father, we just ask uh, that right now you would speak, you would encourage um, your sons, your daughters, wherever they are in their training, um, you would encourage them, you lift their heads, give them vision to see what you see um, about themselves, about this world, about your son Jesus, how wonderful he is. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, we're going to start off talking about falling in love with Jesus and your original motivation. So this is me on the underground campus. God had me carry a cross from the spring of my freshman year until the end. That was just something he called me to do. And, oh, he ravished my heart um, by obeying him and feeling his love for the others around the campus. And then they also had me start the pre-med CMDA, just grabbed a few friends together and said, let's go for it. We read the Bible, prayed. It was really easy. Um, yeah, maybe you could do the same. They're actually still going. They're like their eighth president now. Um, really neat thing. So maybe God's calling you to do that. That would be such a neat. Then the Lord took me to medical school, and I got to be a leader of one of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. And, oh, such a neat community. Please, get community. One friend, two friends, multiple friends. Just pray, study the word. It's so worth 
And then the Lord took me to residency I just finished and such a neat community as well as getting to do discipleship with guys in the rough part of our city, sharing the gospel, praying together. Oh, and then the Lord blessed me with a wife and a really cute baby. And oh, the Lord is so kind to us. So I just kind of shared a little bit of my resume. Philippians 3. This is where Paul goes through his resume. And then he says, But whatever was my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Are you able to say that? If there's any pride in your training, that would be a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Now, only Christ matters. The ties of my heart are cut. I love Jesus. I consider them rubbish. That Christ, he is who matters. At the end of your training, at the end of your career, you're going to have Christ or you're not. And that is who, he is who matters. Don't lose Christ for some training or career. Please, friends. It's not worth it. And so, why Jesus? Like, what, what? Why him and not someone else? Like, why would he be worth losing all things for? Um, if, if you don't have that question answered yet, pray, seek God, read the scriptures. And then this question, how can we fall in love with Jesus? So much so that we lose all things to gain him. Oh, he's worth it, friends. He is worth it. All that he's done for us, all that he does daily in my heart is just amazing. And, and in others, too. Like, like He's so personal, but he's also forever. Now, why healthcare? <laughs> what was your original motivation for healthcare? Why not just go full-time overseas right away? That's what I wanted to do. Um, man, God called me to be a doctor, and I was like, no, I want to be a pastor, I want to be an evangelist, uh, that was like high school, and then I got to college, and I was like, man, discipling guys is awesome, I can like, maybe just be a janitor, like, that would be amazing, and think about it, like, you can clean, you can pray, interact with guys, and they're like, cross point in their lives, oh, it'd be awesome, um, but why healthcare, why, why did God call you to this, um, Really, was it God that called it to called you to it, or was it your own desire, your parents, your teachers? What was your original motivation for healthcare? I want you to think about that some. If you are able to pause this, you can pause this and think about that some, um, and get get right with God. Make sure it's God's motivation. If not, you probably probably get out of healthcare. Um, but okay, so. Matthew 4.23, And Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and affliction. So Jesus healed. He also taught. It's a wonderful ministry. And if it is what God to do, then how do you keep God's motivation? How do you keep God's motivation in Here's your outline for today. So what I'm doing, and then Aubrey is going to talk about helping Nowers invest in education, Trevor hitting up suffering, Jesse, and some disciplines, community, vulnerable, 
and then Liz is going to talk about debt, time management, and something else. And then I'm going to finish with some next nations. Okay, my quick tips. Number one, healthcare is a horrible master. And so if you are a slave to healthcare, whatever field you're in, like it's going to eat you up and leave you dry. I promise you. Um, I've gone through these training years and when I let it become my master, I let it drive me, I let it be my focus, I tried to do everything that it demanded. Oh, it's horrible, guys. We weren't made for that. Luke 10, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. This is the life of those in their training. There's so many different things to be troubled about, but only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. Oh, be like Mary, sit at Jesus' feet. Um, every day, sit at his feet. So really, tip one is that Jesus is a wonderful master. He's gentle. He's humble. If Jesus is your master, and he will lead you. He will guide you. He will take care of you, and you will uh, be a useful servant. And with him as your master, then medicine becomes a good servant. And so he can use it. Oh, I just finished Rule Yarship just last night. I had to pray with some patients, and it was so sweet to see um, their hearts are comforted by Christ, and I've gotten to lead people to Jesus um, in the hospital. Um, forever changed, eternity, they're going to be with him. And so medicine is a wonderful servant, as long as Jesus is true. Real quick, use your vacation time. you got a lot of it, okay? And so use it up. Take teams to Mexico. Um, that's what I got to do like for four years. It was a blast. Undergrad, med students, residents combined together. Ah, oh, super fun. And God was moving amongst that group. I take a friend in Nigeria for a couple. And then these are places you could go. India, get to see disciple making, church planting. Um, you go to the Middle East and see what God's doing there. Amazing things hearts of people way far away so we think um, again you go places do stuff use your vacation okay use your rotations I mean my wife got to go on a rotation to Africa and um, and use medicine for his glory and see this man or one of our translators come so close to Jesus I'm pretty sure we're going to meet him again and it's um, you go to China and share the good news there, please. It's really hard. Um, we need people to share the good news in China. Um, these are a couple nurses that we got to see come to know the Lord. One of them even went as a as a missionary to the Middle East. It was amazing. Like, like what? Oh, God can do that. Vacation time. Uh, my last quick tip here is conference. So go to conferences as many as you can. Um, Schools will let you go. Just ask. Ask ahead of time. Gather friends. Go. Priority15.org is an excellent conference. Um, it's coming up in February. It's actually going to be online this year. Um, but please hit it up. If you care about the unreached, if God has stirred your heart, 
that one. Um, Christian Community Health Fellowship, CCHF.org. It's for those who care about um, the poor in their uh, city and neighborhood and want to share the gospel with them. Ah, oh, it's super excellent. So hit up that uh, conference. I've done multiple times. And scholarships too. Oh, uh, Jim, let's see. Ooh, I think you might know about um, summer medical evangelism. This is a sweet one-month thing that you can do in Southern California. Bob.Mason at crew.org. If you are interested in using a summer, one of your months to uh, learn how to share the gospel in setting, and it is ethical. And then lastly, here is a uh, just picture of the medicine triathlon book. Um, and so again, you can get it free. Uh, Jesusinvasion.org. All right, now on. Hey, my name is Aubrey, and David asked me to address this topic of helping the vulnerable now versus investing in education to help others later. So I don't know each of your situations. Um, I'm assuming based on the title of this session that you're at some point in your training or education. Um, maybe it's nursing, maybe it's med school, residency, engineering, teaching, unsure. Um, I think it is safe to say that we're probably all in different points along the way. And uh, personally, I went to nursing school, and a year after graduating, I moved to Central Asia, where I spent two years there. After being back in the U.S. for a few years, I decided to go back to school, so now I'm a student once again, and I'm in my third year and last year of nurse practitioner program in Memphis, Tennessee. So I guess I've kind of done both. I've gone now and I've also um, invested in more education. So I don't presume to know what the Lord has in store for each of you. Um, I think it's probably safe to say it's a, it's a little different for everyone and that's okay. Uh, so I hope that I can provide some guiding principles rather than specific answers for you as you consider um, the question of education and training or starting more like ministry now. What's one of the first questions you ask someone that you meet? What do you do? Um, particularly in Western culture, what we do is our often our identity. And I've seen this to be particularly true among healthcare workers. And it makes sense. After pouring all that time, money, sweat, and tears into our education and training, it's hard not to. And while I believe that we should be doers for God. Um, James says that we should be doers of the word, not just hearers. And many other places in scripture, we see that too. I don't think that that's where we should start. Um, in John 15, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So before we ask the question, what should I do? We must first ask the question of who am I? And more specifically, who am I in Christ? And as Christians, I hope and pray that that is where we find our true identity. It's not in what we do Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. It's not in uh, what degree that we have. It's not in what our training or experience is in. Ultimately, our identity must be in Christ. And ultimately, our doing and our working are themselves the fruit of Christ's work in us. And if Christ is not working in you, I think it's safe to say that he surely won't work through you. Not that he can't. God can do anything he wants. Um, but I just think that the the fruit, the work, it comes out of who we are first and foremost. 
So with our starting place being first and foremost and who we are in Christ, then we can seek what to do. Um, and so I would say that the starting point of that should be prayer and God's Word. Um, and, you know, that's how we know what God says, um, is what He has revealed to us through His Word. Um, and so how does what we read in His Word directly affect and ultimately determine what we do and where we live? Um, you know, I would argue that you're probably not going to find a verse that says, okay, you need to get this training, go to this location, and this is the time you should do it. Um, you know, if you do find that verse, let me know. I would love, I would love to know those things from my, my life as well. Um, but I do think that we see principles in the Word that we can then um, apply and we can use. And as we are abiding in Christ, God will, we can trust that God will lead and guide and direct us, um, in his will for us. Um, and through God's word, we, we see God's overarching, eternity spanning, all encompassing plan. And the really good news is that for those of us who are in Christ, we get the privilege of being part of his plan. Um, not that God needs us, um, you know, and I still find it so perplexing that God would choose to use us. You know, we're weak and we're foolish. Um, may that humble us that the God of the universe would choose to use us to accomplish his purpose on the earth. Um, and may we also just recognize that whatever giftings that we have, training or education or degrees, those have been given to us by God. Um, so may we may we not boast in those things. Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, that everything we have we received. And so basically we have no reason to boast um, as if we did not receive it. So um, a couple of just practical uh, questions, I guess, to ask. Um, one, what kind of work do I desire? You know, what do you like to do? Um, you know, I'd argue if you pass out at the side of blood and can't stand needles, probably shouldn't be a nurse. Um, and so what is what passions have God, has God given you? And, um, you know, as long as those are not con contradicting the word of God, if they're not sinful, um, you know, God uses all sorts of things. I've seen him use healthcare, agriculture, teachers, engineers, plumbers. He uses all sorts of vocations. Um, and so I do think that he has given us, you know, desires and even different personalities, um, and we can use those for his, for his glory. Um, and do others affirm this direction? You know, that in order to have others affirming you in the direction, you have to, you have to have community. You have to have, be in a community of people that know and love you and can speak honestly into, into these things. And so do you, are you surrounding yourself with wise counselors? Are you in community? Um, not just isolated, seeking God's will on your own. And thirdly, what doors has God opened? Um, you know, what opportunities are there? Are you seeking out opportunities? Um, you know, I think here we just glory in the truth of God's providence, that He is sovereign. Um, and it's not just a hypothetically, but, but tangibly, um, He guides and directs and opens doors and closes doors, too, um, according to his plan. Um, and so the real the real world in which we live and various options as they're presented to us, they're not random or coincidental. We can trust that God is sovereign over all these things. Um, one passage that I really like 
um, that kind of just relates to vocation and trying to choose training, education, is Luke 3. And John the Baptist is talking to a group of uh, people, and in that group there are tax collectors and soldiers, um, and they come up to him and basically say, well, what should we do? And John the Baptist um, says, essentially he says, be a good tax collector, be a good soldier um, for the glory of God. And so, you know, he could have said, quit your job, become, you know, full-time missionary, but he didn't. It was okay for them to be a soldier or a tax collector as long as they were doing it in a way which was pleasing to God. And so I just think that it's just great. In Christ, we have freedom. There's freedom to do whatever vocation, again, as long as it's not sinful, um, if we're doing that for the glory of God. So I would like to propose just another possibility and what if these two ideas of kind of helping the vulnerable now or getting into ministry now and investing in education, rather than a dichotomy, what if we do these at the same time? Um, so rather than like a fork in the road, it's more of like a merging lane is kind of how I view it. Um, and, you know, in fact, I would argue that if you aren't already doing both at the same time, even after all your great education and training experience, you may never even really get to the helping the vulnerable part. Um, if you don't have a habit of loving, serving, and sharing the gospel and discipling people now, um, what makes you think you, you will once you have completed your training? You know, it's so easy to fall into this trap of, oh, when I finish school, or oh, when I get married, or when I, after I have kids, or oh, when I pay off my debt then I'll have time to be ready to share the gospel and make disciples. Um, but maybe we not fall into that trap. You know, something I heard a few years ago that has really stuck with me is that the same person who boards the plane is the same person who disembarks. So who you are now and how you spend your time now, what you're prioritizing now, it's really not going to change just because you sell your stuff, you board a plane, and you move to a new country. So whether you're pursuing more education, training, um, or getting experience in your field, start ministry now. Don't wait. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ultimately, if you don't have clarity on what exactly these works might be, don't be anxious. You're in Christ, and He's your peace. We are created for these things in Christ Jesus. So when the time comes, he'll show you what they are and how to do them. Um, and even when you do not see the way, you can rejoice knowing that he will guide you as you abide in him. Hello, my name is Trevor Martin. I'm a second year medical student. I just want to spend a couple of moments to look at scripture with you to see that during our medical training residency and pursuing missions when we experience suffering which i believe we all will how do we have hope in it and how does this suffering actually help incite a passion for missions and a security in the lord so let's go ahead and turn our bibles to romans 8 we're going to read verses 18 to 25 and then spend some time in verses 35 to 39 so go ahead and pause the recording Pray to the Lord that He helps reveal Scripture to you, that His Holy Spirit works in your heart during this time, 
and then go ahead and read over that passage, and we'll meet back in a couple of seconds. Okay, so the first thing I want us to notice is how suffering is universal. We all are going to suffer, whether we're Christian or we're not Christian. We will experience suffering. And we want to be wary that there's a gospel out there called the prosperity gospel. It's a false gospel that says, uh, oh, if we just pray enough, if we just have enough faith, and most importantly, if we give enough money to the church, that we won't ever experience any suffering anymore. And if you do experience suffering, then you're just not giving enough money or you're not praying enough. Well, we know that not to be true. Why? We can actually see it in verse 22. Paul says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who are the first fruits of the Spirit, Paul is talking about Christians here, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So what Paul is saying here is, is we are all going to suffer, and currently we are suffering because we are waiting eagerly for the redemption of our bodies. We know that we have been redeemed when we accept Christ and when Christ changes our heart from one of stone to one of flesh and reveals himself to us, but we also know that our bodies are wasting away, right? We, we can just look at someone in the hospital and we can see that their body is wasting away. Yes, we have been redeemed in Christ, and when God looks on us, he sees Christ's righteousness instead of our sinful nature. Yes, we have a security in him, but our bodies are not redeemed yet, not until Christ comes back. So, who has actually given us the suffering? Well, let's look in verse 20. For creation was subjected to futility. So, we were subjected this. We did not create it de novo, out of ourselves. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Well, who is the him? Is the him Satan? Is Satan the one subjecting us to futility? Or is it God? Well, let's take scripture at its word. It says, for him who subjected it in hope. Right? Can Satan subject futility to us in hope? No, what would Satan hope that we hope for in futility? Right? And it says in the next verse, that creation itself will be freed from the bondage of corruption and obtain freedom of the glory of the children of God. Surely Satan doesn't want us to have futility in the hope that we gain freedom as children of God. No, it was God who subjected us. We can see it in the Old Testament. Do you remember Genesis 3, starting in verse 15? It's, this is the story of the fall. Adam and Eve were living in the presence, the physical presence of God. They decided to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, despite God telling them not to. They said, oh, we want to be our own gods. We want to determine what's good, what's bad. And because of that, God, being perfectly just, had to turn away from sin because God cannot be in the presence of sin. So he banished them from the garden, and he said, women will have pain in childbirth. Men will work the fields, but do it tumultuously. So we know that God subjected to us but we also know that he didn't just subject us to it out of nothing he subjected us to suffering so that we can become freed from this bondage this bondage of corruption of futility that's what god wants us to be freed from and then also to experience the glory so where is the hope in all this well let's look at verse 35 
Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. In Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the hope. Brothers, sisters, we will suffer. Med school will be hard. Nursing school will be tough. We will shed tears in dental school, in PT school, in any sort of other training. We will say, what is this all for? What is all this studying for? But let us know that, that you're not alone in this suffering, that we all suffer, not only to us as brothers and sisters also suffer, but Christ is with us in our suffering. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing, right? Paul even clarifies and he says, shall tribulation and distress separate us? And then later in verse 39, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. Paul is covering all of the ground. Nothing will separate us from the love of Christ. Brothers, sisters, this is what should drive us to do missions. Our lives have been bought by the one who created the universe. In Romans 6, it says that we died with Christ and raised with him. Right? So by his blood, we are bought. And he has commanded us to go out, to share the gospel, to reach people in their stress, in the lowest of places, the outcast, the poor, those that are hurting. He told us to go out. And to share the good news, the good news that of Christ. Because there's people out there that hasn't heard. So know that despite all the suffering that we will face in medical school and in any other medical training, but then also on the mission field, even if it's death, it won't separate us from the love of God. Right? Paul knew that. Paul said, not even by the sword. And later, he would die by the sword for his faith. And, and Christ's love, and Christ was there with him in that death. And now he's beholding the face and the glory of God daily. We will be in heaven with God for the rest of our eternity, gaining God's glory is anew daily. Guys, this life is but a wisp, and it will fade away with the wind. So I pray that you want to pursue God's mission during this small time even if it causes suffering, knowing all too well that Christ is with us. Christ is our strength, and because of that, we are conquerors. Knowing that very, very soon, we will see the face of God and behold his glory. And he will say, what did you do on earth for me? And we can say, I gave you my life. And I knew that I would not be separated from the love of God. So I just pray that you continue to read scripture that you allow it to be a footing and a grounding and an anchor for you in your training, that you can continue to remind yourself of God's glory anew daily, because you will forget. Every single day you will forget this promise and this truth. So you have to continue to remind yourself so that when suffering comes and life starts to press on you every way, you can stand firm knowing that you have the word of God that this scripture, 2 Timothy 3.16, says is God-breathed and profitable 
for all things. So continue to read the Word. Continue to remind yourself daily. Be in prayer. Do not neglect the Word of God in pursuing the Lord, but allow it to be a rock, an anchor, and a strengthening for you. We're talking about medical missions, so that means advocating for the vulnerable. But to do that, you need to live in community and have spiritual disciplines incorporated into your life. My name is Jesse Thomas, and I'm the Director of Student Programming for Christian Community Health Fellowship. I've worked in student ministry for about 20 years, both with undergraduate and graduate students. So what is CCHF? Well, the mission is to encourage, engage, and equip Christians to live out the gospel through healthcare among the poor and the marginalized. John Perkins has such an amazing testimony. He's famous for the three R's. I want to focus on relocation, meaning moving into places where you can actually experience what your neighbors are experiencing the way Jesus came to earth. Micah 6.8 says that he's shown you what the Lord requires of you to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with God. But when it says that we're required to actually do justice, that's not something you do just one week out of the year. That should incorporate every aspect of our lives. So we need to look for purposeful ways to use our free time. And that might mean relocating. Maybe it's during a gap year where we spend time in an intentional living situation, in community, in a neighborhood that really needs help. Maybe it's volunteering or doing shadow or summer experiences. I knew of a student who did a gap year in an underserved community in Philadelphia. It's only when he lived in the neighborhood he saw the despair that his neighbors had to go through. Something simple like changing the oil in his car, it actually took a lot of time and he wasn't realizing living in suburbia and just quickly running over to get your oil change was not an option for him in this community. So he actually learned way more by living rather than just serving at his clinic. We have seen that students who spend time with those who are doing missional work are highly impacted. Something sticks with those students who end up eventually working missionally, which is why we ask you to come and do a preceptorship where Christians are serving in under-resourced communities. CCHF actually has a whole network of clinics around the country where providers have intentionally moved into impoverished areas and are taking care of their neighbors at their clinics. There are other Christian workers in secular settings that might let you shadow them. The main point is to find ways to watch faith and healthcare practice intersecting. This will give us a heart for the vulnerable and a path to serve them. Now, as you spend time shadowing, doing a gap year, or even hearing stories at conferences, you'll be more informed about the opportunities to serve. And you, if you haven't picked a specialty yet, and you're open to whatever God might be leading you towards, I highly encourage you to get a good look at primary care. Because when you hear about programs like Doctors Without Borders, Operation Smile, Mercy Ships, or other programs where you can do surgeries overseas and other specialties, those are exciting. And if that's your gifting, you should definitely go for it. 
But if you're looking to be impactful by building relationships with people, I encourage you to look at primary care. And that includes internal medicine, pediatrics, family practice. Just to clarify, family practice is not like the olden days of general practice. There are specific residency programs that train family practitioners not to just see mild cases and then refer patients out to specialties. Sometimes they're thought of cowboy programs where, like the Lone Ranger, you can go and take care of a wide variety of illnesses. There are Christian family practice residency programs out there that have a real focus on discipleship and mission. But there are other programs that are secular but have strong Christians on faculty, a good fellowship group, and churches who have people who want to be family to you. The main thing to remember is don't bankrupt your faith. You want to get really well-trained, but also stay on track and stay on mission. We lose more people during residency than any other time spiritually. If you're interested in learning more about residency programs that will train you well and good questions to ask them, I would love to share more about that with you later. Now, I've talked to a few faculty members and heard their despair as they see Christian students starting out being excited to serve sacrificially, but over time, their professors and advisors keep encouraging them to go into a specialty with more pay and sometimes a less demanding schedule so they can get paid, quote, what they're worth. Literally, some of these teaching professionals have told their students that it would be stupid to go into family practice. If you keep hearing this message repeatedly, you're eventually going to give in, especially when you're so tired and burnt out from the rigorous demands of medical school. The problem with getting super specialized is that you're going to have less of a chance to develop long-term late relationships with your patients. So again, think, why is God calling you to medicine? Is he giving you this platform to share the gospel? My husband does full-spectrum family medicine, and I cannot tell you how many patients have said he is just like a family member. And he's seen not just one patient, but he's seen that patient's whole entire family, the grandparents, the cousins, the sisters, and so on and so on. And because he is trained to do so much, he has the opportunity to build on these relationships and have significant life conversations over the years. So please pray about going to primary care. Just look at this map. The darker the green on this map, the greater the shortage of primary care providers. The need is great, but where there are health disparities, there is often a spiritual thirst, but not many people there to share the good news of Jesus. And it's not just physical needs. There's a huge shortage of mental health professionals nationwide. The dark blue areas have the greatest needs. So if you're thinking of clinical psychology, counseling, or psychiatry, we desperately need you. Global Missions includes North America. It includes the US. These are some clinics that serve immigrants and refugees right here. In order to grow spiritually, you can't do it by yourself. You need community. So find a campus fellowship group. Maybe there's medical professionals on your campus that are meeting regularly for prayer meetings and Bible studies, or even ways to serve together. And definitely get plugged into a church. You need intergenerational fellowship because life was not meant to be just with your peers. 
And that's where you can find a mentor who's not in your medical bubble that can give you perspective, that can pray for you, and who can love on you in those really hard times. Obviously, we have to work on our personal spiritual growth, reading scripture and being in prayer regularly. Now, it may be really busy, but think of different ways you can add this into your life, whether it's on your phone or there's an app called Scripture Typer that'll help you remember to say your verses so that it actually lives within you. Of course, there's grace for the seasons when you're really busy, but that doesn't mean that it's an excuse to neglect your studies. There's lots of resources out there. I read The Practice of the Presence of God, and it really convicted me to really even think about Jesus more regularly in my day. The main thing to grow spiritually is to actually speak about Jesus. Start those spiritual conversations. The truth is, if it's not good news here and now, it's not going to be good news anywhere, especially in the future. Share your faith with your co-workers, patients, staff, and fellow medical students. If you don't know really what to say or how to say it, get training. These are some resources that'll help you, both books and classes and curriculum. The thing is, you really need to be with Jesus and you need to be speaking about Jesus. This is not an easy journey and the enemy will try to find ways to defeat you but you serve a God that is bigger and higher than any devious strategy that the enemy has. Be strong and courageous, my sisters and brothers. I hope that this was helpful for you. Please feel free to contact me. We would love to connect with you so that we can introduce you to a whole community of people who are striving to live missionally and advocate for the vulnerable. Thanks for joining me. Hello, GMHC. Oh man, it's so good to be with y'all. I love this conference. My name is Liz Redekin. I'm a family medicine physician currently working at Londo Christian Health Center doing full spectrum family medicine and now a fully functioning telehealth doc. Thank you, COVID. Um, and soon to be assistant program director of our upcoming residency, family medicine residency program. Now I know what you're thinking, don't tune me out, just because the next subject matter seems a little dry or boring, debt and time management, or because we're about 30 minutes in and I know our attention spans are small, and you may be wondering about your email and your Insta account, but tune in, that's right folks, get a little closer to your screen because not only are we talking about debt, time management, but we are also talking about the all-sufficient God. Ooh, it is going to be good. Okay, all jokes aside, truly, God is so amazing, and he is all that we need. We're going to take time to recount how he is all that we need in our training years, specifically through the reality of debt and the practicality of time management. So there it was, all bushy-tailed, bright-eyed, ready to save the world in Moscow, Brist. That was about a month after I finished residency, and I was working um, for about a month in the rainforest of Honduras, full of dreams and excitement and up to my ears in debt. Because let's be honest, professional training is expensive. Whether it's medical school, nursing school, PT, dentistry, it doesn't matter. Unless you're born a millionaire, you're going to end with some sort of debt. But you have options. So, praise God, this is probably one of the most practical slides of the talk, um, and you really do have options. 
um, just starting up at the top, there's the military. It's a good option. They have loan payment for every branch that you could go into. Um, and it's an honor to serve your country. The National Health Service Corps down at the bottom corner um, has multiple programs within itself. There's scholarships you can apply for while a student. There's another program called from students to service loan repayment where you apply at the last year of your schooling um, and then commit to a certain amount of time after training, after residency or whatever the training you might do in that professional school. There's also loan repayments that you can do once you're all finished with your training and you commit to so many years um, and they give you a certain amount of money. I also want to draw your attention to the other program called Project MedSend. Project MedSend is a, a loan repayment program um, that provides loan repayment for healthcare professionals working in the mission field, domestic or abroad, that have long-term um, stays as well as that are living in the communities. And then the one that I'm currently doing is the Public Service Loan Forgiveness, which is a 10-year, not um, congruent years, that you can, as long as you're working through a nonprofit or a government organization, um, as well as paying off each month based on your income, after the end of those 10 years will be forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. I feel like I hit the lottery. Let's also remember, we serve an all-sufficient God. So that's not to say like, oh, forget it. I can just go shopping and just trust that God will take care of it. We are to still live simply, to budget and stick to it. Um, to limit spending and to really check our attitudes of entitlement or self-pity. But also remember that our God owns cattle on a thousand hills. His resources have no end. So I encourage you to save, also invest, also to be generous, and to keep informed with certain resources. A great book or, and course is Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace. But just again know that we can have a piece that surpasses understanding being thousands of dollars in debt, yet still being confident that God will make a way. Because he is an all-sufficient God. <clears throat> so shifting gears a little bit, yet still being very practical um, regarding time management, I want you to introduce, introduce you to this word that may potentially change your life. Are you ready? Are you ready for this word? There it is, folks. No. Now, I know we're at a missions conference. We're all about serving, going on mission, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't lose those burdens for the loss and keep that servant heart. But hear me when I tell you there are so many needs in this world, and you can't meet them all. You just can't. Though people will ask you to try, everyone will want you to be a part of their ministry, their mission team, their clinical practice, their mentoring program, their worship band, their soccer team, their committee, you name it, they're going to want you to be a part of it. And the reality is when you're in training, they're still trying, right? Life is crazy. You're being pulled in all sorts of directions. And I encourage you while you're in training to make good habits now. Because the demands on life, and I can tell you being six years out of training, they don't stop. There will always be needs to be met, especially for people in healthcare. So practice solitude with the Lord now. Practice seeking out the Lord's input on your day-to-day -day now. Practice saying no now. Because otherwise, this might be be what your life looks like. As I said, I'm six years out of training, and I remember, oh, just looking with such desire and glee to being out of training and having a little bit of normalcy in life. And once you're done, it feels like this free-for-all that you can just join everything and anything, 
And so you do. So you join a dance team and you are leading a small group Bible study and you spend every Sunday with your family and you live with four other women who you love, but just, yeah, or take time or a whole nother extra family. You mentor youth through a program in this city. You are a part of sports teams. And by the way, you're full-time, full-spectrum family physician who takes Colby call and medicine call. Yeah, life's great. You're living on mission and the freedom of not being in training. And I say all of this, not putting this up here as bragging rights, but rather to impress upon you that I was nuts. I, though I thought I was living in freedom, had no freedom in life because every minute was accounted for. I was not available to the spirits leading. And before I knew it, frustration started to set in. I grew not only frustrated, but also exhausted. I would often become angry and bitter, and really what ended up happening was this. I was just angry and bitter. And I remember this last year, this thought crossing my mind as we were in the state of shelter in because of COVID. It had been a month or two and I didn't want the shelter in order to end. Hello, red flag. I remember asking the Lord, God, wait, but I don't, I don't understand. We talked about this. We discussed each activity that I just presented before you. And I felt like you said it was okay, but how am I so irritable? How am I exhausted? How am I always running from one activity to the next? And worst of all, God, I'm growing bitter at you because I feel like you told me to do all of these things. And God, in his kind, gentle voice said, baby girl, but you're doing it in your own strength. I need to do you to do it in mine. I said, okay, sure. Yeah, I'll do it in your strength. But what does that practically mean? And again, God in his kind, sweet, gentle voice said, stop trying to do it so perfectly. But again, the question came to my mind of, but God, I thought we were supposed to work excellently as unto the Lord. I thought that's how we're supposed to be your ambassadors was we were to do things excellently and well. But he reminded me, whatever you do, I said to work at it with all your heart as if working to the Lord. To not do it excellently. To stop trying to be the perfect doctor and perfect daughter, perfect roommate, perfect mentor. Because you're not, and you're never going to be, and I'm not asking you to be. Because the, the big theme in that is you, baby girl. But what I say in my word is that whoever serves, let him who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. I got lost in the fact that I wanted to do everything perfectly for my own glory's sake, and God humbly, kindly reminded me that working as if Working with all your heart as if working unto the Lord does not mean being it doing perfectly, but to do it with his strength. Because remember that picture of the bear? That's what I became when I was trying to do things excellently. That's not a good ambassador for Christ. But instead, we need to remember that we have an all-sufficient God. So enough about me, but I want to pose the same question to you. Because you're all leaders, you're all helpers, you're all people that will, there will people that will be attracted to you and ask you to participate and probably already are. The flattery feels really nice, the inner drive within you to help will be revving up. But remember, Christ didn't react to the tyranny of the urgent while he walked this earth. He didn't heal everyone or feed everyone. He said no a lot. 
not explicitly that we see, but he often pulled away to the wilderness to pray. The reason it's hard to say no is not only because we have to put our trust in God and relinquish that control, but also admit that we have limits, and that's humbling. And Matthew Christ says, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Notice verse 29. Not a lot of time is spent on that verse. In fact, often skipped over, but it, that humility that Christ talks about, that we're to learn from him, is the key to the rest that God has for our souls. We can rest because we're not worried about trying to take control of our schedules or make sure it all happens according to plan with the results we anticipated. Rather, we humbly submit to God, knowing that he can handle our schedule, he can handle our heart's desires and our career paths and whatever it may be so much and so much more than we can. And we can just sit back and watch him work. And so I remember in that same conversation that I had with the Lord of, God, what does it look like to do things not perfectly? I felt his gentle, firm nudge saying, talk to me, spend time with me, listen to me daily. Practice speaking, practice asking, God, what are we doing today? Practice taking a Sabbath regularly where you spend days, hours with him in his word, singing to him, spreading, listening to him. And yeah, would my coworkers wish that I would spend that time doing my emails, I'm sure, but I take a, at least a nine to five day of the week where I just spend time with the Lord. And this is not to be prescriptive, that's saying that you need to do that, but this is something that has worked for my schedule and something that I desperately need and look forward to. So if you remember nothing else from this talk, I want you to go home, meditate, pray on, share with others the fact that your strength is not sufficient. True strength comes from the Lord. And trusting in him. When he called the Israelites to practice the Sabbath, it took, it took significant trust to not plant and harvest one day of the week, which had pretty significant consequences. Because if God didn't pull through, they didn't eat. So when God calls you to practice the Sabbath and to put the studies down, say no to an opportunity or a role. Trust that he'll provide the open door to practice in a field that he's leading to you to. It's not based on your test scores or your application or your resume. He is the one who opens and closes doors, the all-sufficient God. Thank you so much for your time. Okay, you're almost done. It's the very last section. You did such a good job. Okay, your next steps to the nation. Why missions? When the 1600 scriptures show God's passion for his glory to be enjoyed by all peoples of the earth. Matthew 24, Jesus prophesies, In this gospel, the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, all ethnic people groups with their own language, culture, customs. And then the end will come. Why you? Romans 10. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they here without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? So we see different roles here. Um, there's the, the preaching, but there's also the sending. So within missions, uh, we with five different roles. There's a prayer warrior, has unique grace to pray. There's a sender. There's a welcomer. There's a goer. There's a mobilizer. 
Which one are you? Let's talk about four paths to one destination. So a question for you, are you a goer? Do you feel like God's calling you to leave your homeland, go somewhere else, plant churches, make disciples? Either way, it leads to salvation for all nations, just like a sender is needed. It doesn't mean that person doesn't love Jesus more or less. They still love Jesus. They just are led to stay in their homeland and to make lots of disciples of money and send as many missionaries as possible. Or you're a mobilizer. And this person uses administration, makes short-term trips, to mobilize, to help move people to go. That also is salvation for all nations. Perhaps you're a welcomer. This is someone who welcomes internationals that are from these unreached places and makes disciples of them and then sends them back to their homeland. And multiplication can happen. Okay, I'm really, really excited to offer this goers cohort to you. So we looked at the different roles, and this is only for those who know that they are led to be a goer, okay? And specifically to the unreached, okay? And so it's not just those who want to go anywhere in the world, but particularly to those who want to go to the people groups that don't have the gospel, at least not very many people who believe in it. And it's not just for those kind of checking it out. It's really for those that are committed to going and we're going to meet two hours once every other month on Zoom. So I really hope if you want to, if the Lord's stirring your heart, you'll join us. We're going to pray. We're going to get to know each other, memorize and study scriptures about missions, discuss with missionaries and mobilizers regarding disciple-making movement strategies, goer barriers, cultural insights. Honestly, just have real conversations. Like, should I go with an agency? What personal questions do I have? and kind of track through life together. Hopefully, um, we'll get to send people off and do time. It's gonna be awesome. Another part of the commitment is gonna be a 30-minute prayer call once a week to pray for the unreached. So please, hit me up. Email me at jesusinvasion at gmail.com if you're... Okay, let's recap. Medicine is a horrible master. Jesus is a wonderful master. With Jesus as master, medicine becomes a good servant unto him. If God isn't working in you, he likely won't work through you. Help now and invest in education. If you aren't sharing the gospel now, why will that change when you arrive in your career and get off the plane in another country? Suffering, you will experience it, and you'll definitely experience it in your training. Will you embrace it? Will you receive it with gladness, knowing that God is doing something through it? Kiss the wave that casts you on the rock of ages. Don't shipwreck your faith. Don't lose the vision. Training is really hard and can easily harden you. Don't go for the money. Go for the glory of God. Use the word no. If God had to choose, would he want you excellent or dependent? Next steps. You have a role to play. Which one is it? Who can help you take your next step in fulfilling that role? All right, this is it. Conclusion of resources. Snag a quick pic of this with your phone if you'd like. And ask God, is there something that you want me to do in response to this session? And thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you again later.